0: Chaplain Christina Montel with Carrier Airwing 7 stationed in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and this is Stepping Off the Brow, a show for sailors and military-connected civilians where we look at life's issues on both sides of the ship's brow. So whether you are stepping off the brow to come to work, stepping off the brow to come home, or you're waiting for someone to step off the brow to come home, this show is for you. More importantly, during this time of COVID-19 and all things Navy life, we wanted to introduce you to the people and their stories that can give you strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Today, we have with us Lieutenant Jason, not Doc Palmer, who is a physician's assistant with Carrier Air Wing 7, Go Freedom Fighters. Doc Palmer is gonna be speaking with us today about his military experience as a prior enlisted soldier and how he transitioned to a, a career in Navy medicine and um, some joys and sea stories about working, with, working in the medical field during deployment and COVID. Here's his story. Enjoy.
1: On that note, Christina, we yeah. have uh, an interview today. Who do we have today?
0: Uh, today we have with us uh, lieutenant, lieutenant Commander Select, Jason Palmer. Uh, he hey, do you know what
1: you the, call a, a, a Lieutenant Commander Select? A lieutenant.
0: You know, <laughs> hey, Hinge. <hench. laughs> Okay, Lieutenant, but still selected for Lieutenant Commander, uh, Jason Palmer. He's the flight doc, one of the flight docs for um, CAG 7. And um, he's a your physician's assistant, right?
2: Uh, physician assistant. So we like to try and say, don't ever put the apostrophe S on it because they don't own us. Um, we work with them, not for them. Or... You
1: don't own me.
2: Right. So we <laughs> and actually, actually, that's that's something that is done by most people that really don't know anything about depression. Uh, Part of the reason, actually, that uh, there's a lot of discussion right now about changing our our title to something that is more relevant to what we do. What would you think would be a relevant title for you? I have. Wouldn't even begin to... I I have no idea. I don't... How about... I'm okay with the title. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm comfortable with what I do for a living. I'm comfortable with what this job is. So I like the title.
0: Physician Assistant. Yep. So today we have with us... Okay, cool. So, uh, uh, call sign not Doc, and we're going to get into that story a little later. But um, Doc, it's great to have with you, have you with us today. Thanks for taking the time.
2: Well, thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me on to do this.
0: So, can you tell us just like a little about yourself, like where you grew up, your family, um, you know, um, just kind of prior military experience. Just kind of give us who is. Not Doc in a, in a nutshell.
2: Uh, so I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania um, in a small town called Kingston. Uh, I wouldn't even be able to begin to give you the population, but it's not very big. Um, it is a suburb of what used to be a pretty bustling city called Wilkes-Barre uh, when the coal mines were up and running. Um, as the coal mines kind of shut down, uh, it kind of started to... Uh, go downhill after that. Uh, I used to tell people when I was in the Army, when they would ask me where I was from, I was like, the Poconos. Because everybody's heard of the Poconos and it just, it makes it easy. Uh, that's probably about a 30-minute drive or so from where I'm from. So is it like... Uh, now I tell everybody Scranton, because everybody knows Scranton from the office.
0: So is it like, uh, so your town maybe is like October Sky, if you ever seen that movie? Like Homer Hickam?
2: seen that movie.
0: Okay, never mind. I'll forgive you.
2: Um, so I am, uh, my... Parents were born and raised in that area. Um, their parents were born and raised in that area. Uh, everybody kind of has stayed there. I'm probably one of the only ones in the family and my immediate family that's kind of left and not really gone back, other than to go to college. Um, my dad and grandfather both served in the Army. My grandfather was in World War II, and my father was in uh, during the Gulf War. Uh, my father retired about two years after I joined uh, the army. My dad retired from the Army National Guard. Uh, uh, my grandfather, when he got out of the military, was a coal miner. So I come from some pretty—what's um, the word I'm looking for? Modest background. Uh, my grandfather started in the coal mines as like a coal uh, a breaker boy in the breaker, you know, the big coal breakers. Mm-hmm. five years old breaking coal and sending it down the chute wow. uh didn't really have much
1: my wow have anything.
2: um so the military was kind of like uh, hey we've all done it that's what i'm gonna do uh my family's uh, i would consider to be conservative christian values uh, i was raised in the church um i was one of those kids that went to church uh sunday morning sunday night wednesday night thursday night uh until I was probably 16, that was pretty much my life other than sports. Um, mm-hmm. I did youth group. I did uh, – they had the, – the, so I was part of the Assemblies of God churches growing up. Um, they had their own version of the Boy Scouts, um, mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. Royal Rangers. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it wasn't that. It was a lot
0: Royal of- Rangers? That. Oh, I like that.
2: Yeah, that's what they called them. <laughs> um, they have different <laughs> levels just like they do in Boy Scouts. So I did that growing up until I was probably about 16 as well. Um And then around 16, I kind of walked away from the church for a while. I lost both my grandmothers pretty close together. Uh, And it took me probably until I was in my mid-20s before I kind of started to go back to my faith and spend time in the church with my wife, uh, my current wife, my only wife. uh, uh, And it was, I think, my wife that kind of helped me get back and her family that helped me kind of get back to that. Um, What else? I joined the Army when I was 17, right out of high school. Um, I actually turned yeah. into, in boot camp. Yes. Uh, I went to relax in Jackson, uh, Fort Jackson. Candyland. And, uh, yep. Uh, where'd you go, Jeremy? Fort Jackson. Okay. So, all right. So I was in uh, Charlie 239, first uh-huh. platoon. I still remember that. I remember my drill sergeants, uh, at least two of them. I don't remember the senior drill sergeant, but uh, Drill Sergeant Green and Drill Sergeant White, I remember vividly because uh, they spent the most time with us. Uh, I, when I first joined the Army, my father had convinced me. I talked to a, a Marine Corps recruiter, an Army recruiter, an Air Force recruiter. I really was kind of on the fence, didn't know. I was 17. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And my dad was like, well, here's a, here's an idea. Why not join a reserve component? See if you like it. If you don't, you only got to do it one week in a month, two weeks in the summer. And if you like it, then you can you can transfer to active duty and go do that. So that, that's what I did. I joined the National Guard. Uh, I did that because I wanted to be in a combat uh, related field, and you can't do that uh, in the regular Army Reserves. Uh, I was the kid, like, I went to boot camp and I loved it so much. Um, I literally went and saw the National Guard liaison, like, begging him to let me just stay and not go home. Uh, and they're like, oh, you can't do that. You got to go. You got to go for six months. You got to go home. They paid for this. And then after six months, you can get a conditional release and you can come back. And and it sucks, right, because you're there at boot camp and you have the Reserve, the National Guard, and the regular Army all together doing everything. Uh, So I got out of boot camp uh, and AIT. My initial MOS in the Army uh, was not what I wanted.
0: Can you explain Uh, what AIT is and MOS? Oh,
2: yeah. So AIT is Advanced Individual Training. That would be the equivalent of A school in the Navy. (laughs) Um, So I did AIT at Fort Lee uh, in Virginia. Uh, and I was a uh, <clears throat> Quartermaster Corps person, which is not the same as a Quartermaster in the... Uh, in,
1: no, in the very Navy. different. I, like L.S. is, right? Drives
2: the boat. Uh, logistics is yep. is what Quartermasters are in the Army. So I was a supply guy. Um, hated that MOS with a passion. I got to my National Guard unit and and promptly got sent back to, uh, to MOS school to be a 13 Bravo, which is an artilleryman. Uh, and that's the job that I did for most of my enlisted career other than when I was a recruiter um, so yeah, and then i left uh, i tried I, I did an attempt at college when I was eighteen. I also tried to work full time when I was eighteen mm-hmm. college and full time work they don't mm-hmm. they don't jive uh, so I ended up doing two semesters with zero credits uh, <laughs> or, I mean I was uh bad it was bad. <clears throat> I, I, but that was the sign, like, right then and there. It's like, you know what? I really, uh, you know, I love the Army. I love when I go to drill. I volunteered every time I they needed somebody to be there for something. I actually did the Y2K uh, QRF um, when we thought the world was going to end when the computers rolled over to 2000. Yes,
1: 1999. Part of
2: yeah, so I, was, I was actually on the uh, quick reaction force, uh, standing by, waiting to see what, you know, watch the world burn and respond. Um, ended up being extremely uneventful. We watched lots of movies uh, and ate lots of new... They had us testing these new MREs out because they thought, hey, what better way to do this? They didn't work. <laughs> um, they were like tray meals. It was Anyway, I, I've never seen them again after that because they were stupid. Uh, so, uh, so I was like, you know, I, my life's going nowhere. I need to do something. So I went to active duty. I, I said, you know what? I'm out of here. And I got a conditional release um, I was a specialist at the time, uh, or my rank was specialist. That would be an E4, so the same as like a PO3. Uh, I went to active duty, went to Fort Bragg with the hopes of going to jump school. Uh, when I went to MEPS, they actually gave me two options. They said, I can get, I need to jump school right now, but I can't guarantee you you'll go to an airborne unit. So when it's done, you'll probably go wherever we need you. And they made it sound like I wouldn't get to go to an airborne unit. I was like, well, then what's the point of doing jump school? That's stupid. Or you can go to Fort Bragg, and when you get there, tell them you want to go to jump school. Before they send you to your unit, they'll send you to jump school. Because you have to go to jump school to go to 82nd. And they gave me orders to 82nd. So I was like, okay. Well, 19th Replacement Company had a whole other plan, and I ended up never getting to go to jump school. uh, Because I was at Fort Bragg for a little over a year, and they put me on levy to go to Germany. Pulled me out of there, kicking and screaming. I uh, went to Germany ended up being the best tour of my, my young enlisted career. had a lot of fun. I uh, became a recruiter for a while. I met my wife while I was uh, transitioning to become a recruiter. Um, and then about three years into my recording tour, I said, you know what? This is not – I need more. And, and I had learned uh, while I was a recruiter how I could get more. I feel like when you're a young enlisted guy no one really sits you down and says hey these these are the tools available to you you should be using these and this is and this is how you use them um, becoming a recruiter is the thing that kind of taught me uh, it's it's about product knowledge right you know your own product but you also know your competitors product so I got to learn about all of the services what they offered and how you used it and I quickly learned that the army had the worst uh Programs to, to make you an officer because they really just had the GI bill, uh, but the post nine eleven GI bill was coming out, and I said, you know what, it's time for me to jump while the getting's good. And I was just, go ahead.
1: So so Jay, um, yeah, you know, I've heard you kind of reference a couple different times now this idea of uh, some discontent, um, and it, it's you know it's good. Like I feel like that's a, that's what a, a lot of people. Especially in in our our time, uh, they are you know, coming out of high school, they're coming out of college, and there's this kind of sense of discontent. But it worked out well. Like, how did how did that discontent? How do you feel like that discontent played into where you are now?
2: I think it motivated me uh, to 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 start moving down a different path, and I actually think that that's what that motivation is what made me successful. Um, Yeah, I was even, I I was successful when I was a kid. I was the guy that promoted ahead of everybody else. First time, every time, no issues. Um, but when I made the decision to go to college, I remember having the conversation. Initially I was going to go to college to be a nurse and my wife, God love her. Uh, I remember having the conversation with her. We, I came home from work one day. Um, and, and so then she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I, I think I want to go to college. Like all this money's out there. Mm -hmm. That was my initial plan. And she said, okay, we'll take a week, figure out what you want to do. So I I took a week, we sat down again and I said, listen, you know, I really thought about it. I love science and I love medicine. Those are the two things that, that throughout my entire career, when I've been exposed to like combat lifesaver duties and things like that, I, I, I loved it. Um, And I think that's what I want to do. I want to be a nurse. So, okay. So,
1: so again, I'm, I'm interrupting you. (laughs) <laughs> this idea, how is the discontent then different than quitting? Because I feel like there's some people who I feel like, Oh, I got to quit. I got to quit. But then, but there's a real sense of something that was inside of you that it, it seems different than quitting. Cause, cause you yeah. said like you I went to Germany it. and it was like the best tour of your life. Yeah. Like you discontent going into Germany.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, so I've always just tried to like, so discontent going to Germany. I really wanted to be, an airborne soldier, like I wanted my wings. I wanted to jump out of airplanes. I wanted to run around my buddies. I was young, full of, of virility, and just, I was afraid of nothing, right? I was, <clears throat> full. I was never gonna die. Um, and so I was upset that they were taking that away from me. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I got to Germany, I think what, you know what does it? Having the people around you to support you and help you through the transition is what changes it from discontent, to success or enjoyment. I had a roommate uh, when I got there who I got there two days before Christmas uh, in 2001. Um, so this is post September 11th. Uh, I, and it, it was a whole new world then, right? We, mm. things were flipped up on their heads. So I didn't know anybody. I spent Christmas in in our room by myself, um, and then so New Year's was coming up. And so, what, I was there what a week, a little over a week? He was going to Munich with his girlfriend and a couple friends, and he came to me and said, "Listen, I, you can't sit in this room all day. Like you, you got to get out and do stuff." He's like, "Why don't you come with me to Munich and just for the weekend and have a good time for New Year's?" And I was like, "Well, I mean." I, I, I appreciate the offer, but I don't have a lead chit in. I don't have a liberty requested. Like, There's no way First Sergeant's going to go for this. He said, you don't worry about that. Let me handle it. So we went over to the First Sergeant's office, and he begged him and said, look, I can't leave him in the room. Took me to Munich. We became really good friends. We still talk. Um, and he kind of like opened my eyes to, look, Germany's a great place to be. Take advantage of this opportunity. And we traveled together, and, and I really – I ended up loving Germany. I ended up having a great time. Experiencing the culture and and hanging with my buddies and, and just really kind of traveling Europe.
0: So it's about that connection that people yep. like being being part of like just someone reaching out, but also just being part of something bigger than yourself and someone understanding what you're going
2: through. I think right. so. I think when you when you're faced with something that, that that upsets you or doesn't doesn't kind of go your way, you can you have two options in life, right? Like you can continue to stew and I'd be mad about it. Mm-hmm. Where you can move past it and and take advantage of the next opportunity and i and I think you need people around you to help you get out of that funk. It's not natural for most people to not not be upset when faced with something that wasn't part of their plan right mm-hmm. uh, and i and I think having people a support network around you to help you get past that that's what gets you out of that funk and that's what gets you kind of moving forward.
1: Oh man, Jay. So it's like, we all go into these situations with these expectations and when all of a sudden we're not getting those that we, we we're, we're expecting all of a sudden our dream feels like it's dying. But what you're yeah. saying is there's a whole nother opportunity that we don't even realize if exactly, if we would just be open to the connections that are actually available.
2: Absolutely. Boom. Absolutely. I think everywhere you go, you're going to run into that, right? Like that, that's part of life. That, my favorite quote, and it's corny as can be, but it's the: uh, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? Like He's always going to throw <laughs> an obstacle at you, uh, yeah. because because that's part of that's how you grow as a person, right? You you face challenges and you you overcome those challenges, however that that looks, and that's what helps you grow as an individual and and continue to move forward.
1: Right. Mm. So this brings us to then our our last segment. And this is, uh, we call this a ramming speed segment. And uh, I, I have part of my, my mission is to broaden the awareness of people of classic movies. Uh, have, you, have you ever From seen Ben Hurd? Have you seen Ben Hur?
2: <laughs> every, every Easter, uh, that is a tradition in my opinion. <gasps> first one! Yes, oh my
0: gosh, finally. we've done like 12 interviews oh my and you're God. the first one.
2: My grandmother, my dad's mom, when I was growing up, it was not Easter until she put that on. Like she like that was a requirement in our house. <laughs> and her you had to you had to watch it.
1: Okay, so this is not battle speed. This is ramming speed. <laughs> so just envision me now with leather straps and
2: drum. how do people not know? I feel like that's one of the most iconic <sighs> moments in film history oh. is that scene of that chariot coming just flying through the arena.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, first question: You can have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life. What is it?
2: Satellite candies. Ooh. Do you, have you ever had the satellite wafer candies from no. the like seventies and eighties? Okay. They're these pastel-colored little wafer disc things with little balls of candy inside of them. I they used to be five cents at the penny candy store. When I was a kid growing up, I ate them all the time. How
1: old are you?
0: How do you know Ben Hur, but you don't know the candies, Jeremy? Like oh, that's yeah. Question
2: number
1: two. This is, is rapid fire. Go. <laughs> go.
2: What's your best scar story? Scar story? Mm-hmm. I was golfing with my uh, cousin when I was five years old in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. He said I was cheating got mad at me. I walk, I turned to walk away from me, picked the brick up and threw it in the back of my head and busted my head open. Oh my god. <laughs> so five, 5 years old by the way. We were just anyway.
1: All right, number three. Uh would you go with aliens if they beamed down to Earth? No. Okay, number 4.
0: Um are you so this is the type of day so we're asking what type of day you are. Are you sunrise, daylight, twilight, or nighttime, and why? That is sunrise, daylight, twilight, or
2: nighttime. Nighttime. I, I'm nighttime because I'm a night owl. I, I I prefer being up late at night. I like working night shifts. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I perform better uh, overnight. Okay. So that dark sense of
0: humor. I can tell.
1: All right, so then let me see the name, but seasons. What season would you be then?
2: Summer all day long,, uh, yeah, summer, because I love the dive, I love the beach, mm. I, I love being outside on my grill and and just out on the deck with the kit with with the family and relaxing,
1: okay.
0: Are you a good dancer?
2: Oh, terrible
0: okay.
1: <laughs> that would be the off the cuff, no, okay, last one, last question. Uh, what fruit or vegetable would you most want to be? Ooh.
2: I I don't know. That's a weird question. What fruit or vegetable would I most want to be? This is not very rapid fire because I you're you're catching me off guard here.
0: That's okay. I,
2: that is a question I don't think has ever been posed. I've never really thought about it. Um Do you eat fruit and vegetables? I'm a banana. Do you banana.
1: lie on your PHA every year because you no, don't eat I fruits love, and veggies?
2: I actually love fruits and vegetables. Uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that I like meat so much, I could definitely be a vegetarian. <laughs> but I like meat, so I, I can't. <laughs> so it said banana, banana, right? You a banana. banana? And, and, and here's why. Because a banana is always good. Think about that. Once a banana has gone past its ripeness, what do you do with it? Banana bread. There you go. There's carbs, a function and a use for a banana.
1: Boom. Well, this has been a great interview, Jay, and I, I think, uh, Chris, what I'm taking away from this um, one is, is the beginning when he talked about this this idea of discontent. But they like, you really made a difference for us, Jay, on this idea. of It's not quitting, um, and how when you were open to um, the experience that, uh, I I should say, I'm sorry, when you were open to new people and those new opportunities, um, that made a difference. And so I think that's a huge takeaway. Hey everybody, stand by just for another moment. I want to give you a preview about next week's uh, second part of not doc story. So just stand yeah, so you've by. You've
0: gone through PA school. You you get your commission. Um, what is it, blue side, green side? What is it about the green side that just sort of makes it special? I I hear a lot of people who once they go green, they always want to be with their Marines because it's there's something special about that.
2: The amount of respect that a corpsman gets from the average infantryman is insane. Because you know that corpsman when he goes when we send a corpsman out to the line. He's not there just as a corpsman because doing his his corpsman job is actually considered secondary, right? He is a rifleman first. His job is to shoot first and then take care of the Marine that's fallen, right? It's the uh, TCCC principles in action. You don't just run out, uh, you know, with bullets flying and grab a guy and try and treat him there, right? You suppress the enemy first, then you go get him and bring him back and take care of him. And so our corpsmen, I mean, they're doing the same job as those infantrymen – And they get a lot of respect from them for that, Um, and a lot of them are really good. I think the thing that I like about being there is you really get to know your guys. Even in a a battalion of, you know, twelve to fifteen hundred Marines, I spent so much time in the field with them, in the jungle with them. Uh, I really got to know a lot of my enlisted Marines on a personal level, just spending time in the field with them and talking to them and taking care of them and checking up on them, hiking with them, you know, doing the things that they do. And I think when they see the doc come out and do those things with them, you also get that respect from them too. Cause it's not a, you're not there as a guy who's just sitting in in the ivory tower. You're a guy that's out there with them when you're doing the 25 mile hike and your feet are covered in blisters and swollen and you regret doing it to begin with.
1: Our theme music is the song Josie O by James Stone. Ramping speed music is the song "Music to Clean Your House To" by Jennifer Levin. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or guests, and not the United States Navy. You can subscribe to Setting Off the Brow wherever you find your favorite podcast. And of course, please feel free to share this with your shipmates, friends, or family. See you next week.